yo yo it's your boy your brother your friend once again and i'm in the building you already know guys it's time for another segment of the young fire podcast powered by Spitfire. we about to get it in guys black history month we still steamrolling forward your boy got another very special guest in the building back once again with your boy and this week we're talking about my black is beautiful get ready to get empowered get ready to get encouraged you know lace up your boots It's your boy, your brother, your friend, once again, in the building. And speaking of in the building, guys, my very first book is officially available on Amazon.com. Go check it out. Lights, camera, success. Definitely go peep this book. You define what success is. And yo, all I do is straight to the... As you guys heard at the top of the segment today, we're leaning into My Black is Beautiful. And today I have a very special guest in the house. Once again, my lovely wife, the one and only educator, teacher of the year, 2019, the lovely Miss Sharonda Brassfield in the building. Hello, guys. How's everybody out there doing? Yes, welcome back. And uh, good to have you again. It's uh, good to be here again. Second time. Um, and one of the things that I've been thinking about just a lot, like throughout Black History Month, um, just everything, just thinking back to past episode I did last year called Black in America and all the subsequent topics throughout 2019 that I've covered dealing with race and just being black i kind of wanted to focus in and hone in this series well not this series where that this episode uh just a few questions uh, i think it will this will definitely be a, a two-part series but um kind of wanted to get both a male perspective and a female perspective on a couple of questions uh, that came to mind as i reflected on black history month and the african-american culture as a whole and let's kick it in gear as always getting right to the nitty-gritty uh in in your own words what's it like being a black woman in america and i'll follow suit with what is it like being a black man in america so in your own words from your experiences the things you've seen things you you've gone through What's it like being a black woman in America? That's an interesting question um, that could go in so many different ways. Right. Um, I guess the first thing that I think about is actually something I was thinking about today, I think, which is that, you know, as African-American women, now it's cool to look like us, I guess, for lack of a better uh, 
way to say it, you know, yeah. big lips, big butts, you know, that's what mm -hmm. everybody wants these days. If they were not born, they were not black born, but now, you know, that's what, it, that's what the standard of beauty is for a lot of people. Features. Yes, features. Um, but it's still probably more so, I don't say idealized, or I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, on someone that's not of color versus... Right. People that are of color. Um, it's kind of funny because I just thought recently, and I kind of talked about it, I think a couple of weeks back, about cultural appropriation. It's kind of what you're, kind of what you were just kind of highlighting on. Like, it's now cool, it's now trending to have black features when once black features were shunned upon and looked upon as like degrading or like just just vile yeah. yeah something to be made fun of and now all of a sudden it's a cool and trending thing to to have and people are spending money for it but anywho go ahead and i think i mean i guess it depends like i said it's a big question i think about me and just my growth over the years and you know thinking about my hair and how black woman you know a lot of us are embracing our natural selves when it comes to our hair and how in some situations in some areas that might not be looked positively on and I remember when I first started teaching I always made sure that my hair wasn't like this was before I started to become natural I think and I used to always make sure that it was straight and when I was having conferences or if I went on interviews before I started working, before I got my first teaching job, then, you know, that's what I did. I made sure my hair was straight and not that anybody ever said anything to me about it, but, you know, just knowing what, not knowing how that would be perceived, I guess. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right. And so you, you did that to like not rock the boat so to speak I guess you could say that yeah and to fit in with whatever the mainstream this is what the expected look is and so mm -hmm. to not have it being as something that's counted against you I guess but right. I mean knowing that it shouldn't be counted against you but you know when you're going to spaces where people don't look like you then you try to fit in I don't want to say fit into that mold but I guess in certain situations fit into that mold um, kind of go along to get along. Right. Kind of mindset. Until it doesn't matter anymore. And then, you know, now, you see me, all I do is with my hair curly. And right. I Natural. still work in the same. Right. And because I kind of I kind of talked and dipped on a couple weeks ago, like, the issues that women of color would deal with in the corporate setting or the professional setting when you guys are rocking your natural hair and you have people who are not of color wanting to come up and touch your hair or you know that kind of thing like have you ever had that that instance happen like people want to touch your hair so i've had kids ask me like students ask me if they could touch my hair i've had co-workers ask me if my hair was real so like if i've straightened my hair i have had co-workers ask me wow. if my hair if it was my actual hair because you know when it's curly it's shorter mm -hmm. than when it's um, straightened straight. um, so I have had that happen before yeah wow and that that 
even though I don't have hair, if I had hair like like that and people want to touch my hair, that would irk. That would that would get on my nerves, you know. But for for me, in my own words, uh, what's it like being a black man in America? Again, just as you said, this is a question that could go like a lot of different ways. But for the most part, being black in America for me as a black male, it's like when you walk out of your door, you're you have this this constant target on you, and you have to, I guess, for years you have to kind of play along, so to speak, to, um, I guess, and I'll, I'll say it like this, I said it in our familiar circles, and I had an episode called Black Spaces a couple weeks back, and in Black Spaces, I've had conversations where I would say to people, uh, other men of color and other women of color, like, look, like, yo, it's not my job as a black man to enter a space that is, like, filled with people of the dominant culture. It's not my job to make you feel comfortable first. Like, my presence alone should not alarm you or I shouldn't have to make you feel comfortable, you know, in order to to conversate or anything like that. Like. If I walk into a space, my, my stature alone, on top of being a black male, can set people off until I start to speak and commune with other people. I'm like, it shouldn't be that way. Like, you shouldn't be on alert or, you know, tense, you know, until I start talking to you. Okay, he's fine. He's okay. He's made me feel comfortable. Now I can be at ease. No, you should be at ease and comfortable unless I give you a reason to feel tense or you know you want to like you know clutch your bag or whatever have you like I that for me it was what like being black in America feels like like you I have to constantly conform conform I, right well I feel like I have to conform to the atmosphere to make you feel comfortable and like that's no way to live and I'm like outside of my home leaving the house I'm constantly have a target on me you know if it's from the police it's from any person of, of European descent and it's like when I get back home then it's like okay I could breathe I can relax I can be you know just me I, I don't have to be tense or looking over my shoulder and so that's kind of how it feels like for me being black in America like I have to feel like I'm constantly even though I know I don't have to but it still kind of happens you know I guess on autopilot, I have to make people feel like, feel comfortable that I'm, I don't pose a threat before they can like, oh, okay, he, he said a joke or he said something funny, but so I can kind of be at, at ease now. It's like, okay, I feel I shouldn't have to do that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, yeah, but, and so with that, the, the next question that comes to mind is really what comes to mind when you think about from a woman's perspective, black resilience. Um, interesting question. Well, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is not necessarily from a woman's perspective, but as from a teacher's perspective, like we talk about how our kids don't have grit when it comes to academics or whatever, but or they don't have grit 
And so then how do you, um, how does that transfer then into the classroom, into their academic areas? And it's like, no, our kids do have grit, actually. They do have resilience. It might not be in the form that we want it to be in, but when we think about some situations where some of our kids grow up in, they have to have resilience. They have to have grit or else they can't, or else they're not surviving. Or it may not be as what you may define it as, but it's, it's still there. It still exists. Right. But it's, it's, you know, like it's, it's not like, oh, there's not this universal definition of, of, of what, what grit is. is. Right. Like, like you is, don't, right. you don't get to create or define what it is right. and have it be a blanket definition. Right. It, it means something different. And it looks, it looks different in whatever the situation is. Right. And I think as a people, we've had to be resilient because of the things that our forefathers have gone through. And mm-hmm. then even us ourselves continue to go through the things that we continue to face in this day and age as well. Right. And like for, for me, when I think about black resilience, I think of you know a a rubber band you know whereas no matter how far or how much you pull and stretch that rubber band it will always snap back and for me being a black male you know and having been through situations that have stretched me and made me uncomfortable and caused me pain whether emotionally or mentally or whatever have you um it it has made me or through it all i've always snapped back and been able to bounce back it had you being black i feel like we've had this internal bounce back setting in us you know in some way shape or form no matter what you do to us historically all the way up from the time the first boat landed on the shores with the slaves. From that point to this moment here, we have tried to, we have been looked upon as nothing. We've been looked at as, you know, we've been trying to be buried and then just wiped off the face of the earth, but it just won't happen. There's just something in us that just won't allow it and we will always bounce back. So, you know, that's how I feel when it comes to what comes to my mind when I think about black resilience. You've, white America, for the most part, have tried everything to just stomp out the black culture, the black experience, and everything. And through it all, we just keep bouncing back and bouncing back. And now it's gotten to a point where it's now cool. Like Everything that we do, and it's not to throw shade or dirt on white America is just when you look at things historically what people of color have brought to the table the just the swag and everything that we do now everybody wants to replicate that and copy that and I saw a quote that said they want our rhythm but not our blues you want everything that has made us who we are but you don't want us you want everything about us except for the black experience and the black skin and it's like that's not even cool it's not fair right. you know and and it's 
and it's not even being prejudiced. For me, it's, 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 it's speaking truth. And with that, I'm going to close out with something that Jesse, this, um, this is Jesse Williams did um, on BET uh, Awards when he was honored a few years back. And we're going to let that close out this first part of the show. And with that being said, we're going to play that segment. And behind that, guys, appreciate your time. And you already know, see you next week. Until next time, deuces. Dedicating our lives to getting money just to give it right back for someone's brand on our body. When we spent centuries praying with brands on our bodies. And now we pray to get paid for brands on our bodies. There has been no war that we have not fought and died on the front lines of. There has been no job we haven't done. There's no tax they haven't levied against us. And we've paid all of them. But freedom is somehow always conditional here. You're free, they keep telling us. But she, she, she would have been alive if she hadn't acted so free. Now, freedom is always coming in the hereafter, but you know what though, the hereafter is a hustle. We want it now. And let's get, let's get a couple things straight, just a little side note. The burden of the brutalized is not to comfort the bystander. That's not our job, all right, stop with all that. If you have a critique for the resistance, for our resistance, then you better have an established record of critique of our oppression. If you have no interest, if you have no interest in equal rights for black people, then do not make suggestions to those who do. Sit down. We are Speak Fire, a collective group of motivational, transformational, and inspirational speakers with the goal of impacting everyone in our lane to simply be the absolute best version of themselves. If you're a leader in any realm and you want to get better both inside and out, check out Leadership Fire with Michael Gingras, giving you the edge in leadership performance. If you're a young lady or a young gentleman dealing with bullying or any issue, or you simply want to be a better trendsetter for good, check out Internal Fire with my homegirl Aisha Thomas. If you're a student dealing with academia and you're ready to soar, check out my dude Bobby Berg over at Student Fire. If you're a father out there and you're ready to step up and become father of the year, check out Jody Cedric at Father's Fire. And if you're an athlete and you want to tap into the heart of a champion, check out my dude Neil Legend over at Champions Fire. And you already know, if you're a young person navigating the seas of life and you just need to know how to deal, then you already know, check out your boy, your brother, your friend, in the building always, Sean B over at Young Fire. Here at Speak Fire, we are the one-stop shop for everything self-improvement and motivation. Check us out at www.speakfire.com and that's fire with a Y. And be sure to check out new episodes every Monday at 4 a.m. In the words of my dude Mike G, are you going to be up with us?